everybody. Welcome to the Dedicated Nerds Podcast. Oh, is it time for me to start talking? Because I'm really ready to start talking. Can I talk? Yeah. Yes? No. I, think, I think it's time for you to do the introduction. Carney, take it away. Dave? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. <laughs> yeah, just telling me to take it away was like, um, okay, I must be the exact opposite. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> so an introduction. Okay, welcome to the greatest show on earth, people. I'm here with the clowns. Robert, say hello. <laughs> hello, I'm Robert the Clown. <laughs> and the performing animal act, Dave. <laughs> Never follow the performing animal act. <laughs> Moo. <laughs> I think I think you mean you physically, right? You just don't want to ever follow behind a horse. You know, I never thought about that aspect of it, but you could have a point there. And right. on that note, I think I've done enough to embarrass myself. And I'm turning. No, you're. Oh no, 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 no. You once you take the reins, the reins are yours. You are the host for today. <laughs> no, I'm really not. So. All right, fine. Uh, how, how was your week, guys? You hanging in there? Doing all right? I'm going to go with Dave's answer of there has been not any bad. Excellent. Uh, was that was that your answer, Dave? I, I can't remember. Yeah, mostly. I mean, I'm enjoying the uh, view with no traffic and no office space. <laughs> nice. You don't have to fight anyone for for uh, the, the the good chairs. Right, and my wife still seems to enjoy going to the grocery store, which I don't think I've been since March 7. Really? So. Yeah. Man, I wish I was as relaxed as you are, Dave, because even going out on the road on shopping expeditions, the people are just crazy, gone completely batshit here in Atlanta. It's yeah. like, there's no traffic on the road. Let's see if we can break the sound barrier. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, isn't the whole state of Georgia, like, opened up again? Yeah, the... the, the the Maximus governoress has declared <laughs> that this is open. Everybody else is hiding in their bunkers waiting to see if the governor comes out first. Caesar Georgia? Is that it? He, yeah, I mean, you know, he's like opening up the state of Georgia, but his whole family is forted up in the governor's bunker. Sure. You know, it's, hmm. George is just a very strange place, and let's leave yes. it at that. Well, it does sound like the old Roman emperors, then. Yeah, well, I mean, he he, he makes a lot of policy statements and declarations, and then uh, unanimously all the Democratic and Republican mayors and council leaders stand up and go, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Not on my watch. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, there's some stuff that's open. You know, state parks are, you know, if they can... If they can find where any of the rangers are hiding or opening <laughs> up, but that's about it. <laughs> how's, how's Texas looking, Dave? I couldn't even begin to tell you. I mean, <laughs> seriously, I, I I was out on my lawn today spraying it for weeds mm -hmm. with the weed killer that I acquired a year ago. Okay. Um, there's no shortages of weed killers there, because that could be bad. Start a rumor for that, and it'll be gone in 30 <laughs> seconds. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I think it was illegal to purchase it while you were living in Michigan for a t short while, but... Oh, is this 24D or what? 
No, I just oh. any, anything lawn related. I thought that was this oh. kerfuffle about lawn stuff in Michigan or something. Was that the was that the Flint, Michigan water situation? No, no, oh, I hadn't heard about this. Huh. I, I I don't live there. Maybe it's a, just a, a rumor, but maybe uh, you're starting rumors. Something about don't do you know can't buy grass seed and uh, associated things, and it made somehow mm. that made like the front page news <laughs> so well okay in, I never in, heard. in texas i mean I, well yeah i mean come on anyway no it's i i don't i don't know um i probably will i might even might even go out on the road here what is this the 30th i mean probably in like five days i anticipate mm. that's that's when uh the beer supply will be gone <laughs> Do either of you guys go out for like the old-fashioned Sunday drive kind of a thing? Not really anymore. Did you you used to though? Well, I mean, we we take yeah we drive to see very you know like the parks that are north yeah. of us and stuff like that. But you yeah. know, when we were when we were I don't know, do you do that, Dave? No, not no around here. I you mean, know we. We used to always do that with my dad. Used to always take us. Hey, let's go around for a Sunday drive, and we wouldn't really ever go anywhere because Storm Lake's not that big. And <laughs> but Are you was, stayed inside the city limits. Well, I well, if you go outside the city limits, there's definitely nothing to see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, we would drive up to Peterson, Iowa, or something, and stop in and have lunch with my grandma, and you know, it's just the old Sunday drive. We actually, we actually, the reason I bring it up is because Zan and I actually, my wife and I actually did that uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was remarkably refreshing to just get out of the house and drive somewhere when we didn't have to be anywhere, and it was just, yeah, we were just yeah. going stir crazy, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. So I think that's, I think that might be a tradition that 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 has a potential to come back. I'll let a buck thirty-three a gallon. I might give it a shot. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> On a completely different subject. Please. Um, You're the host, uh, after all. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> and keep that in mind. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> um, how in the world have I only today heard and found out about Dazzle from Susie and the Banshees? Oh, see now you're gonna have to inform me of this. So we were uh, today's gonna be the day that we both find out about this. Well, you, you you've heard of Susie and the Banshees? No. Okay, they're a post-punk um, group, eight, early '80s. Oh. oh, cool. They they weren't, um, you know, like top of the charts, but they were pretty consistent performers for a period of time. So is post-funk or post-punk anything after like Violent Femmes or <laughs> or what? <laughs> It's it's a style, you know. It's the the it the punk was certain things, and I mean I have trouble keeping track of them. But the post punk led was like the Cure. Um, oh, okay, sure. You know, I I can't off the top of my head give you any others, but you know, and then let eventually into new wave and techno and stuff like that. So sure. But um, the thing is, I knew about these, and I just found the song and I started listening to it. I mean, it's a weird song, but I really, really like it. And it's like, right, my what? God, this is 40 the, years old. Wow. Mm. Can you say the name of the song again so I can... Uh, Dazzle. D-A-Z-Z-L-E. Yes. So did Dazzle. you have to engage your Dolby 
to make it sound good or <laughs> I don't even understand you're, you're, what you're saying. You're the Dolby button on your cassette player, of course. Yeah. Oh. Is that frightening, I Dave, I'm that like, I actually knew what you were saying? <laughs> I don't think I ever had a cassette player with a Dolby button, but possibly. <laughs> mm. Oh, wow. You went from straight from 8-tracks to uh, CDs? Uh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I was a very early CD adopter. Nice. I was mostly LPs, though. I, I had 8-track in my first car, and that's about it for 8-track. I don't think hmm. I ever owned an 8-track player or an 8-track nor I. Cassette. Yeah, I had a few of them, but it, I, I was, you know, I went str- pretty much straight from LPs to CDs. Yeah, I think we were we were the cassette player vintage, Dave. Well, I actually, most of my cassettes were ones that I made. I bought the LP and yeah. got it on to. It's because you had that amazing. Tapes. We're yeah, dealing the, with Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy here. That's right. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Dave had this amazing sharp record player that was a boombox. Yeah, I was gonna say I also could play LPs in my car if I wanted. So, yeah, exactly. That was an amazing box. I had never seen anything like it, and I, I don't think I've ever seen anything since then. A portable, it, you'd put the record in, you know, like uh, vertically too. <laughs> so it just really it was strange. It must have had like a str- spring-loaded uh, needle. Mm-hmm. I just wonder how in the world the uh, records survive driving did they well i said i could i didn't <laughs> say i did <laughs> oh, yeah. i was i was not going to scratch up my record that was my um primary source and then i said i copied on a cassette and yeah. played in the car and you know because <laughs> i would sit in the hot car and after three or four months okay let's refresh it yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah i remember making quite a few cassettes on that I think I would bring my records. I seem to have some vague memories of bringing my records over to your place to, to make cassettes. Because I thought for some reason that it probably made really good cassettes too because it's all internal electronics. Well, you did, you did cut out a lot of the connection problems. I don't know that it was awesome, but mm. um, it sounded See, to me as good as what you bought for yeah. whatever, whatever do they, what, what does a cassette tape go for back in... Uh, it was like 81, 12 like, bucks maybe. Yeah, which is the equivalent of 27 now or something yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. I think that's why I probably never had cassettes is I considered, you know, the LPs would, well, last. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, now that you mention it, I do remember copying, I, I, you know, I had a, a components system, mm-hmm. and um, I do remember copying an LP to cassettes, so I must have done some of that. Yeah. Well, you know, the cassettes that you'd bought in the store, they were all normal bias cassettes, too, for, for the longest time. I think eventually they started making, I don't know, did, maybe they didn't, but and they but were. the ones that you would actually purchase yourself were, so, I mean, there was a lot less tape hiss yeah, they were on, the, the on the ones crap, that you'd make the, your own. Yeah, 12 bucks for cheap crap, or you'd mm-hmm. buy your own blank, and it sounded, I thought it sounded better. I, I did, I, it definitely sounded better than the, the cassette that you would buy. Yeah, and I mean the and the to be honest, the record player had pretty darn good uh, audio response. 
Oh, yeah. You know. Good enough that uh, many people would not switch to CDs for many years because... Some people are lost, still... Loss of dynamic range. Right. Yes. Those people are called crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and please do not write me or email me or Twitter me. I don't care about your opinion. Uh, records are not as good as CDs. <laughs> Pop. <laughs> Pop. Oh, no. <laughs> Someone who lived with lots and lots of records, yeah. including See, professionally. I worked at a radio station that had an amazing record player, still not as good as a CD. Yeah, well, you know, is that quality never... Ha- I, I thought that all the stuff was good enough for me, but the CDs went out of because they're just so bloody convenient. Oh, uh, totally. You know, yeah. I could play a cd in my car i could play it in a, and you didn't have to worry about it getting sc- i mean okay yes you could damage cds but you had to work at it yeah and you could fix it if you did if you did scratch it on the on the clear side <laughs> didn't know that but i never scratched one so i yeah. wouldn't know you know I well, mean, we yeah i mean when i started working for the video production company then we would make dvds so we there were definitely situations where we had to kind of pol- you polish off the clean side because the sticker is the side where all the data is and so you just it's the other uh, most of a cd is just clear plastic and so you can polish that off and then works fine so there you go here's a tip for you carney when you okay. get out when you get out all your old cds and you're wondering why they're so while they're skipping CDs in fact they used skip? to <laughs> they, yes, CDs definitely skip. Okay, I did not know that either. <laughs> oh, you've had CDs skip, haven't you, Dave? Um, remember the old Discman? They'd they'd have they the first ones they would sell. They didn't have a buffer in them. I was going to say that was that was back before buffers were cheap enough to put right. in. And yeah. I don't think I had a, a small player like that. I mean, okay. Yeah, I don't know that I had any completely bufferless stuff. Oh, you know what? In my car, I did. Yeah. And oh, yeah. That Denon CD player, that definitely skipped every once in a yep. while. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Hmm. Yeah, and if you get a scratch, it would it would kind of not be great. They, I remember they used to sell these little things that actually looked like portable CD players. You'd put the CD in it, and then you'd squirt some magic junk on it. It was like probably like really fine polishing fluid, and then it had a little abrasive pad on it, like a you know super fine sandpaper or whatever, and then a little crank on one side, and you'd crank it, crank it, crank it, and that would clean the clear side of the CD and mm-hmm. help out quite a bit. Okay, I mean, it often would help out quite a bit. Okay. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) News from the dedicated nerds to all you not old people who have CDs. (laughs) Well, this is news to this old person. That's right. (laughs) But the fact of the matter is I am not an audiophile. I was the despair of my father who had two reel-to-reel players. And Mm -hmm. he was an EE, so... Well, he was an EE and a mechanical engineer. And he he had this whole... huge cabinet all wired together and to me it was like okay now which button do i push again to get <laughs> the radio mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's every audio system i've ever owned and also the same comments from every person i've ever lived with as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know i mean it made my father very happy but i just 
couldn't, you know, I was like, okay. I just want to listen to the radio. (laughs) Yes, and it's like, I'm going to turn this on, and I turn (laughs) this knob to this, and then uh, this gets turned on or off. (laughs) I mean, it was was literally, literally like going through a pre-flight on a pilot, you know, know, auxiliary power to backup, (laughs) primary power to main, you know. We have some underbus voltage over here. Is this a problem? (laughs) You know, Dolby bias noise reduction switch check. I mean, yeah, I mean, every single time he played anything, and of course, this was the whole point of it. He'd have to fiddle with everything to get it to come out oh, to that's, work. Yeah, that's the fun of it, right? No, <laughs> <laughs> for him it was. But I, I want to listen to. <laughs> yeah, even now, though, on the ones that you buy, you know, they—it's almost—it's—it's it's bad because they're intended to be very flexible. So I could set mine up one way. Rob set his up another way, mm-hmm. and. You know, I'd walk over to Rob's. It looks exactly the same as mine, and well, it doesn't. What? How, how do you make this go? Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then of course with cassettes, you'd have to worry about the alignment. For heaven's sakes, you know. Well, you could have you could have a cassette that sounded great in, in Dave's boombox, and then you bring it to my car, and it doesn't work at all, or it's, you know. So you got yeah, but you you don't quite understand the scope of the problem with my car. <laughs> It's Please he, explain he, it. He had actual. He built himself actual custom boxes with unlabeled dials and n- knobs. On the <laughs> they were the central control of this entire thing. <laughs> with labels like A. Okay, they weren't unlabeled, but labels like A, B, C, D, E, one, mm. two, three, four, five. Sure. You know. Well, that's, you know how hard got, it is to print custom labels. Come on. And this whole thing is breadboarded together, and uh, and. and the permutations, you know, it's like this is input A, input B, this is output A, B, C, D, this is this, this is that. And every single, it wasn't like there were any blank spots on this thing. <laughs> the, the, there, there were literally hundreds of permutations of this. And to get the, you had to have one particular thing in order to get a cassette to play to the speakers. You had to get another thing in order to get the phonograph to play to the headset. You know, the, the, it was an exercise in memorization yeah. in order to get the music to work. Yeah, so it's like it's like the control panel on one of those vending machines, except you can't, you don't have the glass where you see the which chocolate bar is going to come out. <laughs> you just you're just hoping you push a fourteen. Oh God, I hope that's a Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> More like also if they were l- randomly loaded with, <laughs> yeah, know. yeah, and every day they're different. It's <laughs> so. great. We should get into the we should get into the candy bar machine business. <laughs> <laughs> There's something else I've been avoiding. I've discovered that I've been hitting the sweets a little too much. Mm. Well, let's not talk about the lockup. <laughs> okay, we're not. We're done with that. Hey, what about anything in outer space interesting happen recently? Lots of things. Um, I'll just randomly ramble, and you just keep me headed in the direction you want. Good. I might go. ask. Okay. I might interrupt with a question or two every now and then. Yeah. First of all, they had another uh, extra solar visitor at some point. I can't remember if it was this week or last week or whatever. But they actually it was a while back. But the the analysis got released recently. You know, first you had that long spindle-shaped thing that came through the system. Well, there was a comet that came through, and they got to analyze some of the. Um, um, chemical outputs of it oh. and how they do that uh, uh spectral oh i see okay analysis. it didn't it wasn't like sampled no no boy that would have been cool that would have well, been cool. came through the system like a bat out of hell okay and they managed to by the analysis they confirmed that it was a a primordial object i.e something that had never been exposed to 
a sun before. You know, it was wow. something that was always been out in the deep cold. And they also confirmed that it wasn't created in the solar system. They're pretty sure it was created around a red dwarf. So, you know, this is actual reason. This is interesting for any number of reasons. One, it confirms, you know, that the formation of stuff happens out beyond the, the you know, the warm areas in the solar system. You know, stuff yeah. actually crea is created out there. Gravi gravity actually is strong enough that still they still things still stick together. Yeah, there's enough stuff <coughs> to stick together. Yeah. And um, it was also interesting because it means that objects can survive the transition from one solar system to another, mm -hmm. which, I mean, I wouldn't say that it confirms or even really boosts the panspermia theory, but, you know, it's... it's Wait, now, I watched that Star Trek episode where there was a barrier around the solar system. Is that... No, that's around the galaxy. Oh, it was around the galaxy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And all kinds oh, of weird that makes shit sense. happens if you go there, right? Okay, good. Well, then I'm glad that we haven't disproven anything on Star Trek. No, 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 not yet, not yet. Okay, good. As far as we know, the crawling through a Jeffrey's tube will fix anything. <laughs> and you know the Jeffrey's tubes were named after Jeffrey's, who was the set designer? Uh-huh, yes, I actually did know that. <laughs> yep. Anyway, continue on with your story of, of wonder and excitement. Okay, next uh, thing that probably is worth noticing is that, um, and I think I told you this separately at some point Friday, is SpaceX, or I should say the Falcon 9 from SpaceX, is now the most launched U.S. rocket. Oh. And, and yeah, it's it's like the workhorse now. It's it's in. Oh, that doesn't mean it's had more launches than any other rocket ever, or does that mean that? Um, I I don't know for a fact that's true, but I'm. It's probably been outpaced by Soyuz. I'm guessing. Okay. But it's probably in the top three. Wow. Right. But right now, it's they're launching. It's it's the one that's being launched the most. Yes, and it, it's in half the time it's exceeded the number of launches from an Atlas V, which is was the previous workhorse for the U.S. But that's been launching since I think 2005, and the Falcon's only been going for like the last five or six years. So now, are you talking about pure lift, or is this number, number of launches. launches? Okay, number of launches. Number of from launches. a pure lift point of view, the, I think that. Um, well, it would depend on if you include the heavy or not, but uh, I would say from a pure lift thing, the Falcons would be ahead sometime sooner, because mm -hmm. the Falcon is is. Well, is they're just lifting so much more now. Yeah, well, it's lifting. It's it's a uh, it's got more capacity than all but the high end um, Atlas Fives with the extra strap-ons. <laughs> okay, which haven't been used in quite a while. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean. To be fair, they were pretty spectacular when they did actually go to the moon. But Strat what? No, 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 no. We're talking about the solid fuel boosters on the the side. Oh, the, oh, those. Oh, uh, yes. What I you thought you meant you said the Saturn V. No, strap-ons. Strap-ons. Oh, the oh, I thought you said Saturn V. Excuse me. Carry on. <laughs> that's that's kind of right. You actually confused me there for a minute. Let's see. Anything else? Oh, um, NASA just in the last couple of days announced that they have awarded contracts for preparations for moon landers to three companies, Blue Origin, SpaceX, and I can't remember the name of the third one. But they're not to actually produce hardware. Well, maybe hardware, but not actual moon landings yet, but to start doing the preliminary engineering analysis and studies for being able to land on the moon. And SpaceX is putting up its Starship as a moon lander, which... Mm -hmm is interesting because it's landing 
tonnage capacity on the moon would be extreme. You mean extremely awesome? Extremely large. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's awesome, but yeah. you know, it's, it's a very big rocket with very powerful engines, and if it they, it could easily land 100 tons on the moon, assuming you find some place where it could land that kind of a payload, because yeah. you've got a serious concern yeah. about what happens when the rockets touch down and they start blowing. Basically, it could dig itself <laughs> a hole. Yeah. You know, as it's, uh, you know, and it's a serious It's like issue. landing a rocket in the Sahara Desert. Right, exactly, yeah. Well, you know, you, you basically tunnel tons. into the... Hmm. Yeah, don't take 100 tons on on the first trip. Oh, no, they, <laughs> they wouldn't be able to, but just the having the ability to do that is, you know... All right, what's the first thing you bring to the moon? Is it Are you, you going to be building a base, or are you going to be, like, looking for water? Or what, what is the first step on the moon? God only knows. I suppose like it depends on what you're land goal. 100 tons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're if you're going there so for the first a thing you do, you send a lot of little bitty rockets and build a landing pad. Well, you, actually that may be a thing to, that you might be needed. And it wouldn't be that complicated, just some uh, steel or equivalent matting like a a World War II airfield might be all that you need, you know, some mm-hmm. some thing that you put down on the ground to stabilize it a bit so they can take a heavier load. But it, we're gonna need some. We're gonna need some CBs then. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> um, you. J- it would depend on what they're planning on doing on the moon. What they would land first. Yeah, I suppose that. I suppose that would make sense. And since they currently have absolutely no clearly defined goals or plan, <laughs> who the so all right. Let's t- well, then explain this to me. <clears throat> um, what is the va- What is the actual value? Is there n- non-scientific value to landing on the moon and or building a base there i mean is is it a reasonable launching pad for the other parts of the solar system yes okay explain to me how that would kind of work the the, you got to understand though that the basic assumption is that you're all in for some major long-term engineering for this to be true if you're just going to drop a couple of loads there go poking around you know maybe do some samples do a feel goods you know we can build stuff on the moon no i'm talking about like let's say we're gonna start mining asteroids or something and we need uh uh, you know and maybe we want to go to the the i don't even know if mars is part of it but let's say there's financial reason to to mine asteroids okay if you're talking mining asteroids that may or may not involve the moon, let's just look at the moon as if okay. you're going to use it for a launch app. So what would what well, what would what would I do want to talk about what the moon is good for though? So what right, kind right. of goal would the moon be good for? Is that the the basic thing to understand is that getting from the moon to any other place in the solar system takes less energy from the moon than it does from Earth. One sixth, right? Roughly. Um. Oh, you got to you got to land and take off, so maybe. Yeah, it, it, here's the deal: is that again, moon doesn't have it's one sixth the gravity. It's got um, no atmosphere. No atmosphere, and that's that's the biggie. It's but the <clears throat> the escape velocity isn't a function of the surface gravity. Oh, it's not. Um, n- well, it's a function, but it's not a direct relationship. Let's okay. put it that. Okay. It's, it, the, the total what are the mass, other factors? Mass and diameter, you know, because uh, a small dense object is going to have a higher I think it's going to have a higher escape velocity than a okay. larger, same mass. Well, it's know, safe to say it's a different escape velocity. Yes, yes. It's safe to say it's a, and it's definitely going to have different orbital velocity. The thing is, in, in theory, on the moon, you could actually build a catapult on the ground that could launch stuff into a stable lunar orbit. Wait, on the, on the ground on the moon? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So, 
So, well, yeah, it, very much so, because that means you don't need to use rocket fuel. You could just use a magnetic launcher to launch stuff into lunar orbit and okay, build so this things is in a, lunar orbit. So the, where do you get the energy to charge up the catapult? Nuclear reactor, solar panels. Okay, sure. Magic. I mean, <laughs> magic. I like magic. Am I, for, I mean, I may be misunderstanding something, but you could do that on the Earth, too. It would just require a lot more. Oh, a lot, lot more. And you run into a whole can of worms. There are only a few spots on the Earth where you even could build the ejection end of the catapult high enough that it wouldn't just immediately turn into a fireball, for instance. Because of the atmosphere. Right. Um, and you, you need to have, you'd have to have a muzzle velocity on the the. Uh, Earth orbital catapult of around nine kilometers per second, maybe a bit more to factor in what you lose from the atmosphere. While on so, the moon, you only need one kilometer per second. So you're talking, and given the square cube law kicking in, you know, the, the, the you're talking about a, a real monster to do an Earth-based catapult. Real so what? Monster. So all right. So so what? What kind of mission? would be good to have a staging area at the moon that you couldn't just launch from earth well if you it okay a mission that you'd launch assuming you had the the stuff built up on the moon sure at which point everything becomes cheaper you just launch the people up you know from earth mm -hmm. and they get in a moon built rocket okay which then goes to mars with a much lower energy cost because everything was built around the moon where it's a lot so are you using materials that you find on the moon to make this rocket or or you, or you haul in asteroids into lunar orbit i see instead of earth orbit because the same thing applies you haul something into earth orbit that takes more energy and mm -hmm. then to get it out of their earth's orbit takes more energy again so you just do your mining and your extraction and your your various stuff in lunar yeah, orbit that's a lot if of you don't do it in situ at the asteroid but then you have the problem right. of you've got to get to the asteroid and then haul the material back so for smaller asteroids you're probably talking about nudging them into lunar orbit right right so that yeah it's kind of like playing a game of catch you don't have to tow it you can theoretically just redirect it somehow or you yeah, tow it yeah. for a while and then well, that's exactly what you do. You give it a little nudge in the right direction. Mm -hmm. You give it another little nudge. Five years later, you give it another little nudge. Yeah, I was going to say, we're talking <laughs> a long time here. <laughs> what, we're talking about what? A long time here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. But, I mean, look at the lead time. On well, that gives, you a, that gives you a lot of time to build that processing facility on the moon. It does. And, look, I mean, look at the lead time on um, Earth-based I mean, even if you're doing an open pit mine, it mm. can take you years of surveying. You, then you've got to get the overburden out of the way. You've got to build the railroad sure. or the road or the harbor facility. You know, so you're talking about decade-long investments even for Earth-based mines. So yeah. mining companies are already thinking in that those terms. So what's the timeline in your magical brain where it would actually be feasible, not necessarily financially feasible, but scientifically feasible for us, because who knows about economics? But uh, you know, I mean, how how much, how long could before we can actually start like mining asteroids and having that be useful? I mean, is it a hundred years? Is it fifty years? Is it more? Um, if you're willing to spend the money, you could do it in ten years. You could have an asteroid. You could you could get a small asteroid in Earth orbit or Moon orbit inside of ten years. Mm -hmm. Now useful i mean 
Well, yeah, that that comes down to economics. That's economics. <laughs> yeah. Unless but, we run out of a certain material that we, you know, if we run out of... Yeah, that ain't happening. ...something that is critical to the earth. But, yeah. Yeah, but... The, like like, the, like actually, ozone or something. Yeah, <laughs> oh, wait. <we're> <laughs> um, the, the, right now, with the Falcon Heavy, uh, or even just the Falcon 9, if you did enough of them, you could put... A, a a rocket assembly into orbit that could then make it to an asteroid with enough fuel to nudge it. Mm-hmm. So I mean we've we've got the we've got the the lift capacity. Okay, so the technology the needs to the technology needs to be developed further, but the it's, it's going to be the engineering. Thank you. It's the 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 question is going to be when is it when does the technology become cheap enough that it makes sense to do all this stuff. No telling because that gets again to economics. Yeah. yeah, you know, and the driving factor here isn't really does it make sense now, because you know almost nothing that you do in space or even exploration wise, hell, half of the science that we develop at the time it's developed, you can't make a case for economic. Mm-hmm you know value it's only later as you know okay well that's useful sure, over here. Sure. it's useful over here now that we've got a railroad we can do all these other things right right yeah so you know it's it's hard to answer my guess is that you don't you're not looking at serious you know industrial scale stuff for another 50 years but that's yeah. just me guessing well that feels about right to me but who yeah, knows we'll, we'll, we'll be, be dead we'll when we'll be it gone happens. yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> Probably. You know, like immortality. They'll come up with it five minutes after we're dead. That's right. What would you what would you want to do in space, Dave? If you could if you if you had a mission, what would be your mission in space? And that will be on our next podcast. <laughs> well what is the so I still haven't really heard a good reason to go to the moon before we go to Mars. Is or is there a good reason for that? Well, again, it depends on what you want. If all you want to do is go to Mars, no, yeah. go straight to Mars. Okay. Gotcha. You know, if you want to go to Mars and go back to Mars and have a base on Mars and regularly travel to Mars and then start going yeah. to the asteroids, then the moon makes sense. I suppose that's like saying in 1492, well, what's the use of going to America? Like, well, who knows? We didn't even know there was an America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're trying to get to India. This must be India. It was yeah. in the way. So let's call these Indians. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so who knows what we'll find when we actually have a human bunch of human beings on Mars or anywhere else. <laughs> All right. What's been good this fortnight, gentlemen? I'll Dave's uh, turn to go first. Okay. Now it's Dave's <laughs> turn to go first. Great. Well, I'm going to go with a good old standby uh, this time of year. I always am pretty fond of 24D. Mm, excellent. 24D, huh? It's the thing that gets rid of the broad leaves in the lawn. So oh, that, uh, oh, lawnmower. No. That, <laughs> well, that, that does work, but it's not as it's not as selective. <laughs> now, this is for dandelions and well, broad, you know, broad leaves in general and. Right, lawnmower. What's the what's the <laughs> what's the width of a of a piece of grass before it becomes a broad leaf? Is that is that an inch or is it two inches? It's not so much about the actual width, but how oh. it's uh, developed. You know, that's a botanical classification. Yeah, more than yeah. Can, get into weed, aside, yes. weed science here. More, yeah, more than in a thing you figure out with a measuring stick, but and it's not you know it's not effective on everything. But apparently, it's also very effective on monarch 
butterflies. So that is the downside. Mm. Yeah, they don't like us doing that and killing the monarch butterflies here in Minnesota. Well, it doesn't kill the butterfly. It kills what they nest on. So, okay, so it, I mean, it indirectly kills some butterflies. Yeah, that's... I don't know if you remember milkweeds from the 80s. Oh, hell yeah. That's good stuff if you get a little poison ivy on you. Rub some milkweed uh, on you. Go try and find six milkweeds in in like BV County now. Oh, is that right? Yeah, we used to always find that. When we were Boy Scouts, we'd try to find milkweed, and that was one of the things we could identify. And then I suppose they're all gone now. They were everywhere. And now, I mean, I'm, I'm paying attention, looking for it. And you, you see one here, one there as you're driving at 70 miles an hour. Huh. That uh, seems like a hard thing to spot at 70 miles an hour, but I'll take your word for it. No, no, they're really, you, you could identify it as a seven-year-old Boy Scout. Come on. <laughs> I had to crack it open first. <laughs> what? That's because all the milk comes out. No, yeah. it's, it's, it's like celery. It's like celery with milk. They have a they have a very specific look that once they've grown to adulthood it's pretty clear. Anyway, <laughs> so other than killing monarch butterflies, two four D is awesome. That's my good thing for the week. What about you, Carney? You got anything good this week or this fortnight? This <laughs> fortnight, um, you know, I hate to say it, but I'm going to pull a Dave and say I don't have oh, anything dear. this. <laughs> All right, that's fine. Um, Sorry. <laughs> No, uh, that's totally fine. Uh, I'm going to say I had a delicious uh, French toast breakfast on Sunday morning that was amazing. My wife made bread and then sliced it up and made some homemade French toast. We had strawberries and whipped cream, and it was amazing. And So that was a good thing that happened this fortnight. I'm drooling. No, it was so good. We, we're now we're now regularly we we buy the frozen bread dough, right? That, and then it just rises and pop it in. So we've got a loaf, we've got a loaf that we're going to be cooking a little bit in a few minutes, actually. So no, oh, I thought you made. Have you ever used the, a bread maker? Yeah, we have. It's fine. It's okay. a lot of fussing around. This is nice because you can just buy the <laughs> buy the frozen dough and let it rise in the pan. Oh, yeah. man. I I thought the bread maker was great because there's not a lot of, I mean, just dump in the No, we had one of those things. And Roberta, did, and yeah, I'm, I'm with, I, I'm not sure if it's fussy when, well, there was a lot of measuring. It's a lot of cleaning, too. Yeah. But when you start getting into these exotic recipes that, mm-hmm. you know, you need, you know, a, a half a pound of this and a quarter of a, a finely chopped of that and, you know, coriander and seeds. And, and then you end up with this weird lump thing that supposedly bread, but it smells funny and looks funny and tastes funny. <laughs> Sorry, this is, this is the white bread person talking. Okay? Yeah. Well, the, the loaves we buy are white bread. So I'm right there with you. And they're really soft white bread too. So. Right, right. It's basically it's like baking up some bread. It's like baking up some Wonder Bread. It's delicious. <laughs> I don't. I don't think you guys did the Google search of best bread maker. It sounds <laughs> no. like you're, you were using crap from like 1970. That's probably what we were. Well, I had one in the mid 90s. Yeah, that's so, when I had one too. Yeah. So it was yeah. a pain in the ass. Well, the bread maker we have is just it's amazingly easy. And uh, all right. Well, we're not going to buy it now, but <laughs> yes. I will. I'll look into it. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, this has been Dedicated Nerds. 
Uh, go visit us at dedicatednerds.net if you want to find out more ways to contact us. And uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Good night, Dave. Good night. Good night, Carney. Good night.